0: Hi, everyone. My name is Jesse Brizendine.
1: Jared Countess.
0: And welcome and, uh, back to, oh, sorry, I just totally stepped on you. Welcome back to Building a Bridge. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all good, all good. I was wondering, I was wondering if you were going to tell them where we were at. <laughs> yeah, I totally just lost my line right there. <laughs> well, our mission is to empower Jesse. <laughs> <laughs> so now our mission is to uh, empower people to use their voice to build a bridge beyond race relations, creating unity and understanding, effectively raising the collective consciousness of humanity.
0: This is our fourth in an ongoing series of discussions and conversations Jared and I are having around the the topics of going on today and really working towards this greater mission. And if you'll recall from last week, we started to get into the psychology of why we do what I do, we do. Our our initial gut reaction programming, and how we can go about changing it. And Jared had brought an article. And if you haven't watched last week's conversation or listened to it, we really encourage you to go back and do so because it's going to be, we believe, a foundational piece for really evolving this narrative and creating meaningful and lasting change. But a quick recap was is the article Jared brought, which was very recent in the last week or two, was from a newspaper where the headline, and it probably – I would wager 75%, 80% of the the newspaper space was dedicated to a headline that read, Burglary Suspect Caught. And there was a picture of a red, look like Bronco that had been burglarized. And there was a large picture, probably about the size of one of our images on your screen right now, of a black man that was caught. And then in the side left column, very small, and in, in, with the picture smaller than my pinky finger, was a picture of a white guy who had been arrested as a homicide suspect. Now, I don't know about you all, but for us, we're looking at that and saying, burglary or homicide, You know which is more so. And so we started to go into the psychology of why that might be. Our, we, Jared and I shared our initial gut responses of just seeing that and going off of our own programming, which was not comfortable for either of us. And then we started to have a, a discussion around that. So we encourage you to go back, but today, we're gonna kind of get into a hodgepodge of some of the hot topics right now. And we've had a really cool discussion leading into today and I'll let Jared kick it off for us.
1: Okay, so today we're going to talk about um, the most current drama to me um, and to Jesse around race relations and black lives. We're gonna talk about Aunt Jemima, statues, um, the, the rewriting, the current rewriting, so to speak, of, of history. Why, what are the psychological triggers that might be driving some of those changes? Um, And then from there, we're going to leap into um, what it feels like to be a police officer in America today and psychology behind that and um, how all of these things are some of it from all perspectives. Let's just dig it because I I don't want to get too deep into how we hopefully how this conversation is going to evolve and how we're going to break it down in, in psychology-wise um, before we do it. But I think we're going to take you guys on some twists and some turns and <laughs> some ups and some downs. And uh, again, as always, it's going to be uncomfortable for both me and Jesse at times. But we try to just break down, um, you know, how raw emotions are, are really just coming out and leading change as opposed to logical thought. Um, and, and maybe where that's coming from and what that means and, um, you know, what our fears are surrounding it.
0: <laughs> Dude, I'm already squirming.
1: <laughs> so let's start over the easy. one. Well, how do you feel about, um, the aunt Jemima and cream of wheat and all of these companies, uh, you know, uncle Ben's, which was surprising to me, um, you know, changing their imagery their names and like what do you think about about that stuff
0: i appreciate you starting with an easy one (laughs) honestly jared i was this was something i was in the dark about growing up and having been a a consumer of Aunt, aunt jemima for a number of years i always just looked at her as like this grandmotherly figure you know i really just always looked at her as this like grandmotherly figure and there was never any sort of Racial kind of piece to it at all, I just looked there as this really grandmotherly figure, and then, as I got older and became more entrepreneurial, I looked at Aunt Jemima as like a entrepreneurial person that maybe this was her somebody's aunt named Jemima, and this was and so I actually thought the opposite I thought you know when I would see gosh, I figured like I saw one time that had been around for so long, and I thought, well, wow, how cool was this that this black lady was an entrepreneur back in the time when it wasn't, and it carried on like that was totally my. My And so when I found out that this was actually some sort of uh, uh, stereotype or, or racist caricature, or, or I'm not sure what the language was that was settled. I was quite shocked by it. And I, I really, and at first when I saw Aunt Jemima trending on Twitter, I had this thought of, no, that she's such like this sweet little grandma. Like It's always been a part of my breakfast for so long. <laughs> <laughs> like who's fucking with her? <laughs> you know, like it, that's that's but that's I so I have um, yeah, I was completely in the dark about that, and I just and so which also I it it brings to question for me is 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 for for us who are getting upset about the present day incarnation incarnation of Aunt Jemima, are we all are we all of us who are getting upset about it aware that her origin was a racial origin? Or, I mean, did maybe some of us have that grandmotherly type perception that I did? Or are we getting upset about ourselves that we feel like we were duped into believing that grandma, sweet old Aunt Jemima, was really this other person, you know, and I, I wrestle with that because you and I were, you and I were talking beforehand about, and I, I think it was Jesus that said that, you know, he who has not sinned, cast the first stone." And I, I just, you know, where it's, it's becomes this slippery slope for me of, of where do we start to go with that? And so I know we're going to jump into more. So I'll let you talk about your Aunt Jemima, Uncle Ben reaction first. And I had no idea about Uncle Ben too. I thought the same thing. I thought, I thought <laughs> Uncle Ben, same thing. He like every time I would see it, is like he had such a sweet face, and I was a, like, and his rice was good. And I thought, well,
1: <laughs> so yeah. So both used in my households all grown up. You know, uh, Aunt Mama, Mrs. Butterworth, Aunt mama and me had. Was a better uh, pancake slash whatever mix, yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> right, and so um, to me, it I understand it, right? But fucking hell, hundred <laughs> percent transparent, kind of silly, kind of silly to me, right? Um, and the reason I say that is is because. It didn't, doesn't bother me, right? It doesn't bother me that Aunt Jemima was, you know, was used as this picture to help sell pancake mix and all that kind of stuff. Is it a reminder of, you know, where Black people were, they were servants in the kitchen and all that kind of stuff? Yes. Is it messed up that most of the women who played in real life, like they they were representative of Aunt Jemima, didn't gain any real wealth or status because of it? right um i have one client actually who i had this conversation with told me that nancy green when she died who was the first one to play aunt Jamama, right they had multiple because they went all around the country and you didn't have tv so you can have one spokesperson you had to have multiple for every region but she died still a maid you know what mm-hmm. i mean she was still a maid right when she died right that was her primary occupation and that was you know and that was her occupation when she died right um doesn't mean that she didn't save money um my great grandma um, was a maid um, most of her life, and everyone was surprised by how much money she'd put away when she died. They were like, "Fuck! Like, how did you, <laughs> you know, how did you save all this money, right?" Um, but she'd managed to, um, and so I, I, I don't. I feel like it was again one of those knee jerk reactions, but I feel like these are two two things that bother me, right? One. It's a corporation, right? It's not like, you know, they didn't make, they made that decision based, that was a a money calculation, right? That was an in game calculation, right? And so anybody on either side of the table should recognize that, right? And so, you know, don't, don't, you know, blame hurt feelings or say like, oh, this is, this is something that, you know, the Black Lives Matter, we can get into that later, but the Black Lives Matter, the Black Coalition has put together and be like, remove, you know, Aunt Jemima, you know, that was a business decision, right? And they and they and they chose to do that as a corporate entity, right? And so, don't cast, don't blame me, right, for this corporation deciding we're not going to use that image anymore, right? Um, I I personally didn't ask them to, to change it, right? But they chose to. And if, if that's their decision, then so be it. If you don't want to buy, you know, Aunt Jemima pancakes or however it's rebranded or whatever, right? Then then don't then don't buy it. You know what I mean? And and that's and that's America. That's capitalism, right? And the same is true with Uncle Ben's. But so that was the one thing, blaming people. And then two, the other thing was hearing people falsify history. She was the first black millionaire. Why not? When I, when I, whenever I read that, that just drove me absolutely crazy. <laughs> so I was I like, there were that. first black millionaires. Like there were black millionaires. I didn't hear he was that. not I one know. of them. Wow. Let's go ahead and name a few. <laughs> so, so, so let's please, let's please not, let's please not, you know, you know, you know, fuck up black enterprise because we've had some.
0: <laughs> oh, you not, know. This is one of those that. things you just gotta say, God bless some people. <laughs> 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 I didn't even hear that. Oh. Yeah,
1: but it, how did it pick up steam? Like, nobody was like, oh, oh, like, it's because the second you Google it, you're like, no. That <laughs> was two white guys from here. They said, hey, and that's fine. People, companies do that all the time. I invited somebody in the group after we had a discussion about. On and he's been an absolute. Um, I feel like a blessing to have in the group, um, as far as the 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 perspective that he brings. Right, I'm not gonna mention names because I don't want to play the favorites. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, but no, it's and and it's companies do it all the time. They pick someone, right, or a group of people, right, to promote their product, yeah. right, and they do so. For for various reasons, and there are times when those people don't that they choose don't look like the don't look like the people who founded the company. You know what I mean. One of my favorite things, right, is most substances we were both came from the the personal training industry and kind of you know founded. If you look at the owners of most supplement companies, they are not in shape. Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> the owners of most supplement companies look
0: nothing like the athletes that set their supplements. <laughs> And most of us who took those supplements look nothing like the athletes who were selling them either. <laughs> no, no. Matter of fact, those athletes, most of them looked like that way before they even touched yeah, it. Yeah, dude. I, I would sit there when I first started working out. I would look at Flex Magazine and Ronnie Coleman, and I would take every single thing that Ronnie Coleman was selling in there. And I never once even got, you know, remotely close to looking like Ronnie Coleman.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then you look at pictures of Ronnie Coleman at 17 before he even knew what any of that stuff was, and you're like, oh.
0: Yeah, he is a friggin' beast. <laughs> friggin' beast.
1: Yeah. He's the only professional bodybuilder that made it to the Olympia and says, I was all natural my first year. And you're like,
0: I believe you. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's like built like a friggin' tank. Yes, 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 yes.
1: All right, okay. Oh, all right, I guess, the, so the next one right? And this is, we're going to get deeper. If you guys stuck around, if you made it through Auntie monuments, statues, um, real people in history um, and how that is being changed and torn down. Um, and I think this one gets deeper because you're all talking about real people. Um, and I'll go ahead and start off. For me, it's a weird thing um, because I understand this is now this I would say is more pushed by Black Lives Matter and uh, people who are proponents of that movement and they're coming from so just to give you a, a perspective guys um, they're coming from a psychological place they're coming from this to you it lifts you up and make and, and give you a sense of pride. And to me, it diminishes my view of my self-worth. That's a part of history that I don't want to remember and I want to forget, right? And even by you wanting to remember it, it kind of assaults my psyche, right? And so, you know, it's, this is an affront to my psychological health, my mental health and well-being, Right? <laughs> It it annoys me even more that it's it's an uplifter to your mental health and well-being to some extent, right? And so I want to get rid of it. Um, And I, so that's the the perspective that I understand it from. And I get it. And what causes me a lot of, uh, what's the word, trepidation, right? Um, In terms of how I feel about it, because I don't, I'll just end here and be giving the floor to you. I don't necessarily agree with it. Um, And I just don't. I I, I was watching, I'll give an example. I was watching, um, uh, I like sports. So I was watching uh, uh, Shannon, Skip and Shannon, a show called Undisputed, Shannon Sharp and Skip Bayless. And I like them a lot. It's a black guy and a white guy, <laughs> right? But no, but they're just, they both just have great debates and they're super clear. Um, and I, I like the way Shannon pre- presents his arguments and all this other kind of stuff. And Skip too, I like Skip. Even though, you know, Skip's an abrasive character too, right? So anyway. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I like them a lot. But um, so um, I watch, you know, Skip and Shannon. And um, they brought up, I think it was, I think it was Clemson. Pretty sure it was Clemson. Um, and protested Clemson to have a hall renamed from one of the founders of the university because he was a slave owner. Right? And I was I was and in my heart and in my mind cannot stand behind that right because because you know people have a dual nature you know what i mean and that's what we talked about in the beginning is that you know like and and it was it was an acceptable social practice at the time especially in the south right so people one people have a dual nature two it was an acceptable social practice so if I can be understanding of a black kid that deals drugs, right, in an inner city, as an acceptable social practice, mm-hmm. right or wrong, right, because he has a, he feels a need and it provides for his family, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. If I look back on history and I'm unemotional about it, and I was a white guy, right, who had money and a farm and wanted to engage in commerce, right? would I give myself the same competitive advantage or stature as other white men at the time and have slaves? Does that make any kind of sense? Mm -hmm. So the fact that he owned slaves, it's not necessarily a, a discussion of how he treated his slaves or whether or not he was a barbarian or et cetera, et cetera, or a really bad person. But the fact that he founded and helped found a university or college does say something about it, right? Um, you know, at a time when education was a premium, and at a time when um, it was sorely needed, right, in the South, right, and 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 around the country, where you know you had a very low literacy rate, you know what I mean, and and to put money, and even if you didn't allow black people in. But to put money and resources into something that was to better humanity right should your should your name be stricken from anything and so it that was the one that bothered me because I've, i i I love education, right? I love learning. So <laughs> that was the one that bothered me more than anything because this was a man, he was directly a part of the history of the institution in which they were speaking, and probably, you know, an essential part of that history. You know, you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. And they and they were they were campaigning to strip him, strip, strip that, strip that of him, right? And that, to me, that's wrong, right? To me, that's you know not right. And where and 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 then question is where to stop. I'm gonna let you go, um, and 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 speak on it how you feel about the statues, and you know, give you permission to be raw and offensive if you need to be. But I don't. That's not really your character. So
0: <laughs> <I doubted> you. <laughs> first, soldier, I. I really appreciate you sharing. And I had never thought of it from that perspective of if I'm gonna allow the the concession for the kids, you know, selling drugs and understanding it to look at it from that perspective. So I appreciate that's a new perspective i would never considered. I am really struggling with it. and So one of the things I think that whether you're a parent with your child whether you're in business, whether you are mentoring people, we always encourage people to learn from their mistakes, not sweep them under the rug, not pretend they didn't happen, but to learn from them. I enjoy history, learning about history, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And I feel like I have a, you know, I'm probably a better than average understanding of history. I could travel to different places and off of a initial reaction, I probably won't know what the statue is or who it is. And I'm wondering if everybody who is very upset about these statues knows exactly the who and the what of all the statues, first of all, so just, I wanna throw that out there. What I do think though, is that we'll often form perceptions of statues, monuments, not based off of what they really are or who they really were, but what they've we've learned to have them represent to us. Best example I could probably give to, to this is the Coliseum in Rome. Now, I've been to the Colosseum in Rome, and when I went there, I was excited. I was really looking forward to seeing it. Not because I was thinking about the thousands of people who were slaughtered in the Colosseum, people who were slaved, people who were who were imprisoned by the emperor, probably most wrongly so, for the sport of others.
1: I guess uh, that's the greatest monument to slavery
0: ever. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm there stoked to go see it because in my mind, when I'm pulling up to it, all I can hear is the gladiator playing in the background and... Russell Crowe saying, "My name is Maximus Desmus Aurelius." In in the epicness of that, all mm-hmm. I can hear is the movies that have I've, have been Hollywoodized into my my experience of what that means. And so when I'm going there, I'm not sitting there thinking about the thousands, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of slaves, innocent people, you know, poor peasants, everyone who is brought in there and slaughtered and tortured at the expense of humanity, and By the way, on that day I was there, there was a line around the whole place and it was every single color creed, race, everything, black, white, blue, brown, yellow, green, everything, short, tall, everyone was there lining up and they had their cameras out, they were taking their selfies, everything, because people were not thinking about it as this being this monument of slave where there was more blood spilt there than probably any battlefield throughout history they are thinking probably of Gladiator and how badass that movie was or whatever their own romanticized experience of that is. So my concern with the statues is this, it's it's where do we stop? Because I think we're entering into a very slippery slope right now of when we start to try to tear down history because we're angry and pissed off of things that happened before. I think one, we're not learning lessons of it. Two, I think we're not, we're not, we're setting a dangerous precedent for we look at human history shit we look in the mirror most of us are going to see parts of ourselves that we do not like and by going down and tearing down these parts of history Mm -hmm. at some point like man i jared you and i've talked about this before there's a lot of stuff i've done in the past I'm sure things I've said, you know, whatever people probably think, boy, you're a shitty person. If you base it off of that, <laughs> you know, and so I, I do my best to learn from those mistakes, to grow from them and try to be the best version of myself now, which is, I think what we all have the opportunity to. Yes. And if we get into this dynamic where we're judging one another, ourselves, we're making the past our present. I don't know how we ever fully move forward from that right? My other concern is this, is I think there's a lot of people who, who they are looking at the foundational piece of this, of inequality as being wrong, and they want to help. But then they see, I, 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 and I, I'm with this too. I'm not sure how the perception of somebody who represents hatred and anger, being torn down in hatred and anger, How is that going to fix it? I remember there was this beautiful line from, I think it was, it had to have been a Denzel movie. I think there's so many of them. And I think it was, yeah, it was Hurricane Carter when he played Hurricane Carter. And there was this line and he said, hate put me in here, but love's going to bust me free. Yeah. Right. You know what I'm talking about? And I just, man, that line was always one of my most favorite lines because I feel like there is a way that we can try to have compassion and understanding because whether we like it or not, all of us alive now were not alive 150 years ago when this was happening. And for people who those things represent something positive to, they probably don't even know who those people really are. But it represents some sort of foundational piece of landmark. It's, a, it's the tourist attraction people come and take selfies for. And it's, it's it's the thing that generates money for the economy and we could argue and say, well, do people really want to generate money off of slavery? Of course not. I don't think anybody does. And I don't think they look at that statue as an ode to slavery, just as me and the tens of thousands of other people and the millions and millions of people that go in the Colosseum is one of the wonders of the world, along with Machu Picchu, which I think Machu Picchu, dude, I've been there too those there's 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 no rocks around those rocks are getting dragged from somewhere the Mm -hmm. the pyramids in egypt out in the middle of the desert who's dragging those rocks out there you know like and so it's it's going to be this thing of where where do we stop And, and history you know history i think what's really important too is history is nothing but a collection of stories in my lifetime, I feel like history has changed so many times, and it's also going to be a collection of stories from a biased perspective, whatever history book we get, at our educational thing at that time, we're forming a belief system that whatever stories are being told, that's, you know, that's history, that's what we're taught you know, it used to be when I was in elementary school, there was a song that went something like in 1492, Columbus sailed the ocean blue. So now we could all have a day off from school, you know, it rhymed better than that, right? We celebrated that. That's changed as we've learned a little bit more about him. And I think that there's a, a, I'm not opposed to, you know, maybe removing statues and putting them into a museum where there's an opportunity to still go and learn, but to tear them down from a place of anger and hatred to, to, to do that, I really, again, I have to question, one, does everybody really know who and what those fully represented? Did they know that before? And two, where does it stop? Because all of us, in a moment, we're making these perceptual judgments. We are having our own version of the Colosseum. And if we're going to start peering down the rabbit hole of humanity, it's it's a dark, dark thing. And whether we go to the, the the Crusades from Christianity, whether we go to the Coliseums in Rome, we could go on and on and on. And so at some point, if we don't allow our past to be the past and instead be a learning opportunity, we are going to be, in my opinion, forever handicapped in the present, because it's going to be impossible to build future when we're still wrestling with the past. Yes.
1: Yes. Yes. I, I, it's not the, it's not, to me, it doesn't feel like the right places to, what I say, make amends. And then, and then it's just, it's just like you said with the Bible, like whoever cast the first stone, like whoever, let he who was without sin cast the first stone, right? And, and just like, there's only been one, according to the Bible, only one perfect man in history, and that was Jesus, right? My favorite person, so we've been getting biblical a little bit in the chats, but my favorite person, my favorite book in the Bible is the book of Kings, right? Um, Saul going in Solomon. But if you look at my favorite story um, is David. David is my favorite, absolute favorite story in the Bible. Right, this lone shepherd boy stands up to this giant, kills him with a sling. Of course, I've heard now that the news stories where a guy named Malcolm Gladwell came out and said, well, a sling was kind of like a gun in ancient days. <laughs> so so a, skilled, a skilled slinger could get, you know, but, but still no one else would stand up against him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, David David took him out, right? And became a hero of Israel, right? And then the king, Saul, tried to kill him, tried to hunt him down because he was this, this, you know, possible usurper, right? And he did his best not to fight Saul, right? Ended up back in the corner, they had to fight, ends up killing his best friend, Saul's son, right? <laughs> and assuming the throne, right? So now you have this kid who was a shepherd, who has now become hero of Israel, now king, And then, as the king, he falls in love with this woman, sends her husband off to the front lines of war (laughs) to be killed, and sleeps with her, and then births a child. He already has children. We basically stole this man's wife, right? (laughs) And you read through the Bible, and David was... God's favorite, right? <laughs> because God the old testament had favorites, right? And so you have this, and, and, the, and the story goes on and on where David makes more mistakes and then does the right thing and makes more mistakes, right? And he's this character in in, in the Bible and, and probably based on a real person history, right? Um, but you see this imperfection, right? And it's so clear, right? And but you see also all of these great deeds. You go you get what I'm saying? You see yeah. all of these great deeds. And um you can't every good man is gonna have some bad things that he did, especially if he's good and he and he reaches some level of power, right? And authority. Um you know, um I'm sure for years, for years, Britain and the British hated every founding father. <laughs> they were all evil, evil men.
0: <laughs> they the, the military for how they fought because it was militia. So they would do militia hit and run tactics versus being gentlemen and mounting out and yes. doing traditional battle style tactics. And they were hated that. Yes, yes, yes,
1: yes. And and you know, it was ruthless. And and so it's it, you know, the, the beautiful thing, you know, about human beings is our our ability to um evolve, rationalize, understand, grow beyond, right, our most base natures, right? Um, and the thing that we talked about, um, part of I don't think we'll get, have time to get onto it today, but part of what we talked about was, uh, false evidence appearing real fear, right? And how in and of itself, um, although maybe we try to base it on rational evidence, right? Most fears are irrational, right? Most fears are irrational because today, right? Is not yesterday, Right? And the future is not the present, right? And so, you know, we're, since we know we're constant, constantly, we have power to shape our future, when we are extremely fearful about it, that we, you know, <laughs> create all of these, and we do all of these things, these, these extreme actions, right? We are not really, truly owning that we're responsible for it. Um, you know um we're we're not we're not owning like you said we're not owning our power in the present to really shape the future so like if if you feel that the statue or this person's memory right is an affront to you know your ancestors memory right um then what is the best way that you can really affect, you know, how your future generations will remember your your memory, right? What they will look back and see is their ancestors, right? Because that's really what can create change. Not to wipe out someone else's history, but to, you know, improve and create your own. You get what I'm saying? So don't, 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 don't focus on that, right? Focus to me, to me that, and then, and then don't disempower yourself by saying that the memory of this immediately impedes my ability to grow. You, you, you get know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and because yeah. hell, Rome, Colosseum, right? You watch Gladiator. Where was he from? Marcus Aurelius. Where was he from? I don't remember. Spain. He was from Spain. Oh, was he really? He was from Spain because the Roman – and one of the guys he fought was – what's his name? From Gaul, right? (laughs) The guy with the tigers was from Gaul. He was from France, right? So you had – in Rome, in the Colosseum, you had people, slaves – Right, because yeah. the Roman, the Roman, you know, culture spread so far throughout Europe. You had slaves from all over. You had slaves from Germany. You had slaves like one of the guys he was fighting with was from Germany. He was German, a big fucking guy, right? Yep. He had you know French and all that kind of stuff. And throughout history, those nations came in and sacked Rome and did this and all that other kind of stuff. And yet, the Colosseum still stood you You understand what i'm saying yeah. you know, and so it's 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 like you know it's and and Roman statues of great leaders still stood or were rebuilt <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: but, but you know you 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 uh history people are so complex. So that makes history complex, like you said, right? And 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 you have to be really careful just about what you're wiping out because we're supposed to be evolving beyond that. We're supposed to be evolving beyond the days where people went in and if they won, they destroyed an entire civilization, right? Um, another one of my favorite people from history is Alexander. I, I wish I had more Black people to talk about from history. I, I That's one thing. I wish history was taught a little bit differently so that I could, because I, could, I know there are stories out there that I should know. But um, these people I know the most about. Um, or maybe Dave, Dave was probably, you know, he was of color, at least. You know, he was Middle Eastern or whatever. But um, Alexander, um, as he conquered new areas, right, You can see it in the movie, right? But if you read history, this was all true. And when he went in and he finally defeated the Persians, right, and took it, right, and took took their capital. He didn't go in and slaughter everybody and erase everything, you know? And he did that all the way through, he did it in Egypt. He did it as he went, you know, further east, right? He did not destroy, he absorbed, right? Um, and, 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 men like that, even though he did kill a lot of people, what is, um, you know, what's Alexandria still Alexandria till this day? Did he fucking find <laughs> Alexandria? No, he did not. Yeah. Right. Um, he did not, but it's still Alexandria to this day. Um, and was he a conqueror? Absolutely. Did he kill a lot of people? Absolutely. But um he 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 didn't you know he he wanted to grow and uh expand civilization. Sure he wanted to conquer and he wanted to rule and stuff like that and he wanted to leave his mark on history, but um you know he, he built libraries. <laughs> he built he built schools you know and so you can't it's just dangerous to me um and it's and it's and it's an affront to because i'm fucking so i just take it personally because i'm so imperfect and i would like to i would like to have a positive stamp on history and instead like if, if, if people like dug up everything that i've done wrong in my life or like you know City husband, tree father blah 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 blah,
0: yeah absolutely no there
1: you know, you know and, and just try to use that as an excuse to wipe out anything that I could do that was good I would you know hope oh, upset me
0: <laughs> and I think that's the thing jared too is it's it's any great civilization in history i would i would at least i'm not aware of I would love to hear of one that has not been built off of violence, bloodshed, taking lands from others, enslaving as war reparations, the conquered, putting them to work, whether they were, they were putting to work to build physical structures, or they were, they were put into sport in the Coliseums. You know, I was, somebody was sharing with me the other day that there was a war almost started, and they were saying, I'm not sure, but this was, I don't know how long ago, Central South America over a soccer match, because one team lost, and the, the team who won gloated, the leader who felt that they were being insulted declared war and so troops started to mobilize and then somebody was saying like what are you guys doing like this is this is madness (laughs) so the human animal is a fragile animal and right we're a very fragile animal and i i remember one of the most i I try to whenever i travel somewhere to go and visit historical uh, monuments and to learn and just read and as you were talking i'm thinking about so many of the historical monuments around the world that I've been to are here in the U.S. The ones that we celebrate, all of them were won from, you know, much were celebrated because of a war, an outcome. There's a win and lose. You know, we like to think in things of those ways, winners and losers. USA, we're a bunch of winners. We all want to win, right? Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's the most basic thing. And a war is a very finite example of winning and losing. It's a clear thing. I, You throw up the white flag or you don't. You know, if you do, you surrender, you lose. And, and that saying may sound callous, but that's also human nature. And that's how it's been. And so I remember being at the Alamo several years ago, and going through and now I'm, I'm, I've always enjoyed the Alamo because the story of it, I think it's the story, again, my romanticized view of it. I'm not looking at it as United States taking land from Mexico. I'm looking at the perspective, the story of these, you know, 18 guys or whatever it was making a stand against Santa Ana's army of 5,000. I was walking through the Alamo and I remember there was a guy there who, who was Middle Eastern and his son was probably about six years old, five, six years old. And as little kids do, he started to get squirmy and complain. And the father looks at his son and says, he says, shh. He said, we need to to be respectful. We're here to learn about their history, just like we'd want them to be respectful when they learn about ours. And I thought that was such an unbelievably beautiful moment. History, in my opinion, when we're learning about it, is not meant to be some rosy-posy, sugar-coated thing. Just like when we might find out with the people that we are in relationships with, the people that we're fringed with, the people who we watch on TV, the TV shows we choose to watch most of us have blood on our hands. Most of us have dark spots in our past. And our hope is, is that the people that who love and accept us, they can love and accept all of us for the good, the bad, and the not so pretty parts of it too. Especially the parts that we may have made mistakes or may not have. And and I think Jared, when you said so perfectly is this, if we are allowed to make concessions of understanding for why it's okay for the kid to sell drugs, not saying it's okay, but we can understand why. We can also understand, begin to understand the things that people did. And we could go on tangent after tangent of the horrible, awful stuff that humanity has done in history. I, I learned not that long ago that, in I think the 15th, 16th century, and this was just in France. And so I'm sure it was other places that one of the sports they used to do is they used to take cats and hold them over fire pits and they'd make bets on how long it would be until something, the cat would die. And uh, dude, I'm a huge animal person lover. Now I'm not going to sit there and, and just say, <laughs> fuck the French. <laughs> horrible stuff because i'm sure that we've done all of us have done those bad things history i never looked at it as it's meant to be this you know vir- virgin pure thing it's dark it's ugly the stuff that we celebrate the freedoms that we all have you know the narratives all of us have been taught as we fought for people have bled for died for them it's not a pretty thing and in my opinion we're not going to change that by pretending it's okay and that pretending that it never happened i think if anything we can look at history we could leave if we leave monuments up we can look at them and we can confront those and look at them from a different perspective and instead of trying to tear it down and pretend it never happened look at it and say why did that happen back then what was the psychology what were the belief systems what were the What was the driving emotion? Were people fearful or were they being loving? Were they being angry and pissed off and judgmental or they're being understanding, compassionate and unbiased? And we can look at those and say, how can I better myself than that person? How can I do better? Yes. Right. Which is the opportunity all of us have every day when we wake up, when we fuck up with our partners. What do we say? We say, I'm so sorry. I promise I'll change. I'll do better. You know, it's, it's pleading, it's asking for forgiveness. There's a Hawaiian art of forgiveness called Ho'oponopono. And the, the forgiveness prayer goes something essentially like this and I'll have to look it up and share it, but it's, I'm so sorry. It's something like, I'm so sorry, please forgive me. I love you. And if we could all just, just learn that. And we, and the challenge is, is we put such an attachment to being pissed off because it goes back to right, wrong, win or lose ladies and gentlemen, I hate to say this, but we hate losing. We really do. And we really, really do. (laughs) Uh, And it's, it's a tough, it's a tough thing right now because we're playing, if we're willing to have this really raw offer off open conversation with the person we see in the mirror, we will see that some of what drives our behavior right now is we're playing in a win lose dynamic. We don't want to be on the losing side of being in labeled one group. We want to be on the winning side of pushing causes and beliefs that we, that we believe in right now. Mm-hmm. It's just our humanity has evolved in dramatic ways in the last 140, 150 years, and in the last 500 years, in the last 1,000 years since Rome. Whereas before, we were looking at conquering lands and, and inflicting bloodshed or enslaving other people or putting them in the Coliseum to slaughter. Now we're evolving, and our winner-lose dynamic, the win-lose game we're playing in, is about equality. It's about equal wages, equal opportunity. It's about getting those little boys and girls off the street so that there doesn't need to be a cousin, Jimmy, to try to give them an opportunity, but that we can all rise and give them an opportunity. That's not going to come, in my opinion, from tearing down a statue or destroying a monument or trying to erase what happened. That's going to come from looking square in the eye and being really honest and saying, wow, boy, there's parts of us who are really fucked up. But if we look at the emotion that was driving the behavior and we see how that emotion can still be, is still being expressed today. And we think, well, what would it go the other way? And I'll just, I'll just leave this final thought that I'll let you close this up. Cause I know we're probably going over time and I want to be respectful. Mm-hmm. Somebody was suggesting to me the other day, and I never had played in this space before, but I entertained the possibility. And depending on where you exist and what fields of psychology you study, there's anywhere from like, I think 1400 to 4,000 plus named emotions. And in different dialects, different cultures, there's more or less than that, depending on, depending on the, the culture. And they were saying, what if there was only two emotions? There was love and fear. And then everything was a derivative of those. That's what I believe. Right? and Dude, it's a really, I never thought. I actually it. believe it's only love. Yeah. And, and, it's, love. <laughs> and it's such a beautiful belief because when you look at it, it gets down to this and it goes to what you're saying with the fear piece, right? Fear is so intoxicating in the moment. Because when we're in that fight or flight and we're imagining a future that could be very scary for us, we're biologically wired to get this response that's saying either I'm going to defend my life or I'm going to get the hell out of there. But we also know it is equally intoxicating to be in love, to be in that kind of space. And I love that perspective for this discussion because it gives us an opportunity to trace back down. And I don't want to get so woo-woo-y out here that we're taking away real things going on. But I do encourage everybody to ask the question of if the things that we're angry and pissed off about, which justifiably so, it's okay to be angry and pissed off. The people who we struggle to understand, this people, the things that we're struggling to relate, perhaps you could ask yourself, what would it look like if I engaged this from a perspective of love? What if I had to really not tear down my past, but really love, learn to love my brother, like we're taught, the people who don't necessarily agree with me, love them for their humanity and then try to understand and maybe then open discussions. So where we can really create change. Anyways, I rambled for a long time there. So Jared, I'll let you close this up and adding final. Man,
1: I was, I, you, you did such a, it was a, it was a fucking great ramble, bro. <laughs> <laughs> it was a great, it was a great ramble. I was going to, um, I'm going to say it. Um, I think the winning and losing side of things, Right. There's a concept in something called game theory, so of economics and mathematics, right? There's a concept in oh, Simon Sinek's book starts by he talks about it, right? So um,
0: the finite game, right, is right. Finite
1: versus the infinite game. Yep. Exactly. So a lot of people approach winning and losing in finite game terms, but life, human life, it's an infinite game. It's an infinite game. And when we make decisions like it's a finite game, we typically fuck up our future, right? There are a lot of, of, of win and loss columns in the final that will hurt the infinite side of the game. And um, we're, right now, people are in the most place. They're making a lot of finite decisions. And it, it, it doesn't help the infinite. Right. And so the removing of the statues and things like that, those are those are finite game, those aren't long game decisions. Right? They think it is because they're thinking immediate. Right? But the long game is like we talked about the psychology and everything else, in the unity and creating unity in and in, in, in terms of a country and a nation. But like you you voiced it so well. I didn't even want to dig in, I don't even want to dig into it. But that's that's the concept that I would leave people with is that You know, life is an infinite game, and we need to – if we really want to be – okay, so this is is it. So one of the founding fathers of game theory is a guy named – they wrote a movie about him called um, uh, A Beautiful Mind. His name is John Nash, and actually studying his work was the thing that really took me out of mathematics because I was like, God, this guy's fucking – I mean, like he was, he was. I I like to think of myself as a smart guy. That he was on a fucking whole another level, right? And so, one of the things, and one of the problems of the time was the thought of mutually assured destruction, right? And they ended up applying his his Nash equilibrium to economics and everything else. But one of the things he was talking about was the nature of competition, right? Because we are competitive animals and we do want to win, right? But you have to understand the difference in the con- concept is when this was the first evolving difference between a finite and an infinite game, right? And 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 what short-term wins and losses, how they can affect the long game, right? And, and individually devolve a system, right? Um, or destroy it, right? And so one of the things that he came out and was called, what's called the Nash Equilibrium is how partnerships, right? can enhance the probability of success, for the overall, right? The thought, the concept that we can all win, right? And, <laughs> and it's like, even when people hear that, it's like an affront, right? But it's like, you take losses. So we all have our gifts. We all have our things that we concern ourselves with. We all have our areas of expertise. We all have things that are specific to our personality, which is different from this personality, which is different from this personality. And a lot of human beings, we want to win in every sphere, right? But the truth of the matter is we're a tribal society. You know, we're a complex society where everybody has was born into that tribe with a job, right? Where they they, <laughs> they have a place where they're gonna where they yeah, they 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 can reach that upper tier of being of success, right? And and there are levels to it, right? And so like, but when you try to do this. And you try to put yourself across the board above, you know everything, and you you you're just you're, you can't help but to win in certain places by tearing other people down, right? By tearing down monuments, by tearing down this, right? And so your focus is wrong. One, you're not reaching your greatest potential in this place that you could be, right? And two, you're 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 severing. The unity of the whole, the tribe, and the good of the and the good of the the, the creation. You're 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 playing you're playing a very short term game, right? And you're not building for the history of your next group. Does you get you know what I'm saying?
0: Yeah. Like,
1: you're you're not you're not right. And, and I'll go all the way back to my Clemson guy. I'm gonna put my money and things that i've done into this school and it's going to stand to help future generations and make the world a better place make the united states a better place um, and that and that i think that's something we all should aspire to like what what am i going to what am i going to leave that the people after me will benefit from yeah you know what i mean what am i and and we and 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 then understanding we all have an ability to do something like that we all have ability to give something that exists beyond us and that part of us that exists beyond us we want to make sure that it goes into a world where it can thrive yes you know what i'm saying and so um you know I, I, that's that's i just and i can never support the tearing down of anything like that you, you understand what i'm saying yeah, I, can I can never i can never support the, the 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 tearing down of anything like that and so it's like i said i get where it comes from um and i would like to flip it right And so, and so, uh, but I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure how. And then I get emotional. I get
0: emotional too, man.
1: And I I know I need to, I need to wrap it up. We need to just shit now. Let's do it. Let's stop. Let's Let's, stop. I could keep going, I could keep going. I gotta.
0: Yeah. So we'll we'll close it up because obviously, Jared and I could keep talking for a while. We want to be respectful of your time. We appreciate you all listening, watching be sure to leave comments, questions, you know, this is a safe space. So don't be shy. What you have to share and ask is your, is valid. If you disagree with us, that's totally okay too. You're not going to hurt our feelings or upset us or actually, you know, what, I'll say this you in a moment, there might be an initial response of hurt feelings. And, and what I might pledge to you is this, if, if for something that you say does hurt my feelings, what I'm going to do is rather than respond right away from a place of hurt feelings, I'm going to stop and take a breath. And I'm gonna ask myself, how does what you say, why is it hurting my feelings? What is that saying about myself? And then I'm gonna sit with that for a moment before we respond. So please, that's an invitation to uh, ask the questions, make the comments, invite the discussion. Also invite your friends, family, community members who you think would be a valid part of this group in. We'd also love to hear feedback from you. Are you finding value in this? What would you like us to cover? We're gonna definitely get into policing here soon and we're going to start with I think what we've been brainstorming with is you know just Jared and my opinion on it uh, our observational pieces, and then bringing in members of law enforcement and having panel discussion with it too because we definitely want to get perspective and also having panel discussions too with other members in different communities and different in different leadership roles so if you have people who you think might be valid contributors and panel discussions you know definitely message Jared and I put them in the group and Yeah, we just we really appreciate you all being on this journey with us. And I think that just keep the discussion going. It's important that you you, the emotion, the charge is starting to fade out of the public spotlight right now. All of us have started to notice that the news isn't covering it as it was three, four weeks ago. This is why Jared and I committed six months up front to you all because knowing that once emotion starts to subside, the media is going to go attention is going to go where there's the most energy and right now the energy is getting put somewhere else. So all of you in here, we're holding you accountable as being in here of really being people who want to make create meaningful and sustainable change. What that means is, is all of us have to resist a riding the, emo, riding the emotional wave and stopping when the rest of the world does and keep these discussions going, because this is how we're going to create change. And this is how we're going to really work with psychology. And this is how we are going to all build a better future together. And play that infinite game that jared so perfectly said so thanks everybody for being here and jared man as always i appreciate you and i i learn so much every time we spend this time together buddy i really appreciate it i appreciate
1: you too man i appreciate you too your perspective and your talks about history and we got to dig deeper on the psychology pieces so that you can keep bringing in in that stuff because the last talk on psychology was fucking on point. And I took it, I took it and told all my clients and everything.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think the same thing every time we talk about them all. dude, you, you guys you, like people start saying that you just need to watch our videos. Like you're going to get so much out of it and then have a discussion about it.
1: Yeah. 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 Yes. Right.
0: All right. Everybody. Well, we'll cut it there. We'll see you next time. Oh wait, I don't want to cancel. I stopped this.